Let me add my welcome. If you haven't met before, my name is Paul Dale, and I'm the minister here. If you're new tonight, uh, we're just starting a new series. We normally just take a book of the Bible and work our way through it. We're just starting a four-week topical series, uh, looking at the sufficiency of Christ. Uh, Next week, we're looking at the sufficiency of Christ and lust. The week after, sufficiency of Christ and pleasure. The week after that, sufficiency of Christ and depression. But tonight, we're looking at the topic of image, the sufficiency of Christ and image. I don't know whether you've seen the the programme Extreme Makeover. It's on a Wednesday night at about, was it 10, 11 o'clock on Channel 10? And in these these programmes, they they take a person, a man or a woman, and they basically remould them. You know, they they break the bone structures, they change their hairline, they do liposuction, they change the way they dress, and they send them back to their family, and they send them back as the, the new improved you the new improved you who can now be happy and content because you've got the image that you always wanted. The whole uh, self-image industry, it is massive. Here's just a couple of books that you can buy. Self-esteem and self-image, the guide to the new you. Positive self-image, I feel good. How about this one? L'Oreal Paris, because, because you're really worth it. You're really worth it, you know. I particularly like this one here. A strong, positive self-image is the best possible preparation for success. See, our, our world is, is soaked in these kind of questions. Who is the real you? Who do you want to be? You can be who you, who you want to be, just about, about, about changing your external appearances. Where do you want to fit into the world? What, what image do you want to project to the world? And so from the moment that we wake up, you know, we turn on sunrise and we just have all these things about image and we, we drive to work and we, we pass these billboards with semi-naked men or semi-naked women and we walk into your designer building with your power-dressed people and the whole world shouts, image, image, image. And we really just fed this lie that you don't have to be who God has made you. You don't have to be you. You can change who you are, and if you live differently, then you'll be much happier. Here's what Olivia, age 36, said. She said, I'd love to be able to look in the mirror and feel good about what I see, and feel good about who I am. That's tragic, isn't it? Nathaniel, 17, I've joined a gym. I don't care about getting fitter. I want to turn some heads. I want the six-pack and I want the pecs. But that's what he's fed from the age of what? Five, ten? Why is it that the, the waxing and the exfoliating industry is booming and why is it so difficult for some people to get dressed in the morning? You know, you open your, your wardrobe and you're thinking, oh, who am I going to see today? And, oh, they like that shirt and... I'd like to wear these jeans, but if, all, if I wore these jeans, I'd spend the whole day worrying about my bum, whether it's too big in these jeans. And we're obsessed by what we wear. And the so-called feminist movement has brought lots of good things, but why is it that, at the same time, the, the number of people suffering from anorexia and bulimia has just skyrocketed? Why are we so anxious about what we look or what we wear or how I project myself? I think Sydney is full of people desperate desperate to get the, the shape they want or the partner they dream of or the identity they aspire to and even here in church 
Here in church, we want to be seen in certain roles to project a certain image about who we are. I have to say that the more I've read this week, the more that it's really got to me because I've had some hard thinking about what I wear and what I'm sucked into by the world's advertising. Tonight we're going to look at the two categories. We'll spend a lot of time unpacking the world and its view of image and then look at the Bible, the word and its view of image. So firstly, our world is obsessed with image. Our world is obsessed with image. What do people find their identity and their security? I think it's two things. I think it's looks and I think it's lifestyle. So we're obsessed with looks. If you think about it, a hundred years ago people lived in the same place and they went to work in that place and they lived among the same friends and people dressed the same, they looked the same and their identity was kind of given. But today identity is something that we find. We can create it, we strive for it. And see, along came television, along came movies, along came advertising industries and they use quasi-religious language like renewal and cleansing and a new life. And so we no longer longer compare ourselves with the boy next door, we now compare ourselves with Brad Pitt. And we no longer compare ourselves with Alison on reception, we compare ourselves with Angelina Jolie or R. Nicole or any of those beautiful uh, and impossibly beautiful and ridiculously proportioned women who parade on our TV screens 24-7. And is it any surprise that people look in the mirror and they feel inadequate with a a normal body shape and natural looks? And even in, in Sydney we have churches with conferences like Beautiful Women. We become obsessed with how we look. A recent survey of 18 to 21 year old girls in Australia Listen to these stats. 75% would like cosmetic surgery because it would make them feel happy about the way they look. 84% were unhappy with their bodies. In 2004, do you know how much Australia spent on skin care? $500 million. Fragrances, $100 million. Darting, close to a billion dollars. In the US, one in five bank loans are taken out for cosmetic surgery. One in five bank loans. It's not just women, amongst the men, amongst the 18 to 24-year-old men, 36% were unhappy with their bodies, 25% thought a better body would bring a better life. What's been the fastest growing industry, cosmetic industry in the last 10 years? Men's grooming, men's moisturizers, men's cleansing, men's, men's exfoliant, the aftershave bar and the under-eye cream, and I bought into that. And, you know, gym membership has rocketed, not so that men can get fit, but they, they can look good, not just to, to win the women, but to compete against the men. And all this goes hand-in-hand hand with those huge increase in the, in the semi-naked men on our billboards with well-toned, tanned, waxed chests. And it's a surprise that we look in the mirror and we feel ina- inadequate. See, our society says, oh, I am what I look like. I am what I look like. Or society says, I am what I wear. I am what I wear. So clothes has become the way that we create our identity. I can choose who I really want to be by the clothes that I wear. And if I really want to be accepted in a, in a particular group or particular set, and I just change the way I look. So overnight I can become a goth and be accepted. And overnight I can become a, a surf dude and become accepted. Nothing changed on the inside but outwardly I've, I've changed my person I've changed my image I'm a different person so 20 years ago if you'd known me I'd have had a big big quiff and some fake glasses and flower shirts because I wanted to be Morrissey from the Smiths 
when, when I came here seven years ago, or five years ago, sorry, you know, nobody knew me. I could be who I wanted to be. I could get off that plane and just change my image completely. Who do I want to be? See, our world says you are what you wear. And, and let's face it, we judge people, we pigeonhole people on what they wear. They walk into church and you immediately, you immediately categorise them as the type of person they're going to be just by the outward appearance, by the clothes. We're obsessed with looks and we say, I am what I wear and we say, I am what I eat. You know, food has become this obsession. Again, some stats, 66% of women think about food a lot. 25% are always on a diet. 15% keep their weight down by laxatives. 10% by an appetite suppressant. And in a world that is, has millions of people that are starving, there is something perverse, something profoundly wrong about that same world where 20% of college students in the USA are starving themselves. Now listen to this, 50% enforce vomiting on a regular basis. Our world is obsessed with looks, the body shape, the skin, the hair, the clothes, the food. And they're obsessed with lifestyle. They would define ourselves by what we buy, the choice of car, location of homes, the music on our iPod. And again, we recreate ourselves. You know, at a touch of a button, you can change who you are just by changing the music on your iPod. Or you renovate your house, you, you change your car, you get your new identity. Even here at church, you know, people walk in and one of the first questions we ask is, oh, what do you do? And subtly, very subtly, we, we, we rank people or categorise people according to that image it portrays by their job. We live in a massive generation of choice, don't we? We can create who we want to. We, we do create our own image. And where does obsession lead to? I think it leads to a few things. I think it leads to insecurity. A world obsessed with image leads to insecurity because our, our sense of identity is bound up in our appearance. Is it any wonder that you know, when the grey hairs appears and the, the body starts to decay and the flab appears that we get stressful because it's all about us and our image? I chatted with a guy about a month ago who was so lacking in security he hated himself. He hated the body that God had given him. He hated the life that he was living. And he thought that changing external things, changing his looks, changing his clothes, changing his jobs would lead to acceptance. Now that is sad, isn't it? It leads to insecurity, it leads to comparisons. You know, we compare it with other people. We look at their clothes, their jobs, their popularity. We've got Facebook where, you know, you, you, you decide how popular you are depending on how many contacts you've got on your Facebook. Can anyone really have 200 really close friends? Or we compare ourselves with all the models and movie stars that we see on our screens. And in a world dying for acceptance, we, we, just, we can fall into the trap of just associating with the, the in crowd or the beautiful people. And we treat people like accessories. Oh, they'd be good for my image. They'd be good for my image. An obsession like this leads to dissatisfaction. It's what I call the never satisfied, the not enough syndrome. You know, my hair's not long enough and my, my thighs aren't thin enough and my muscles aren't big enough. And we're desperate. You know, we're desperate to be liked. We're desperate to be liked by the opposite sex. And we're desperate to be liked by the same sex. We're desperate to be liked here at church. And so we set ourselves these impossible targets. I must lose this amount of weight and I must look like this. We're just desperate for anything to change our image. But ultimately it leads to disappointment with God. 
because we cripple ourselves asking the question, you know, why has God made me this way? Why can't I be more like Brad? Or why can't I be more like John? Or why haven't I got the looks of Jessica or Sarah? And You know, the irony is that if you're genuinely committed to God, wholeheartedly committed to God, it's never going to be good for your image. You know, Jesus was despised, he was rejected, he wasn't popular. And yet we want to be popular and be a Christian at the same time. I think that's a fair description of our world, isn't it? Obsessed with looks, obsessed with lifestyle, insecure people, desperate people, disappointed people. This is brought home in two extracts and diaries. One was written a hundred years ago, and one was written a few years ago. A woman in 1892. This is her diary extract. Resolved to be self-restrained. Resolved to be self-restrained in conversations and actions. Resolved not to let my thoughts wander. Resolved to invest myself more in other people. hundred years ago. A diary a few years ago. Today I resolve I will lose weight, get new lenses, get a new haircut, get some new clothes, get the matching accessories and welcome to the new me. That's Bridget Jones' diary. That's our world obsessed with image. And let's go to the Bible. And what we see in the Bible is that God's word is obsessed with people in God's image. God's word is obsessed with people who are made in God's image. That's the message of the Bible, that your identity, your, your security is found in God. And you'll only be free from this word's obsession with image. You'll only truly know, truly know yourself if and when you're known by God. You'll only be truly satisfied in who you are when you've understood who you've been made in God's image. You'll be liberated from image when you stop focusing on what, what you can create in yourself and start to focus on what God has created in you. See, I'm suggesting that you need to learn to say, I need to learn to say, I am created in God's image. I am created in God's image. It's our reading from Genesis chapter 1. It's on the screen. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. That's the underlying fact of what it means to be human, to be created in the image of God. What that means is that you're different from the rest of creation. You have a special dignity, you have a special worth. Just as God is, is personal, just as God is relational. So as a human being, you have that capacity to communicate, you have the, the intellectual ability, you have the relational ability, you know right from wrong. As a person, you have all the, the communicable attributes of God. You know, emotions and thinkings and feelings and the ability to love and to react. There's something about being human that means that you're like God. You're created to know God and be known by God. And, and Genesis 1 says that God saw what he had made. It was very good. And nowhere marred by sin, that image is diminished. But you've got to grasp that you are made in God's image. And maybe then, you, like David, you would cry out these words from Psalm 139. I, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You can hear the psalmist saying, David, uh, God, God, you made me this way. My body is unique, it's intricate, it's complex, it's beautiful. I'm a masterpiece made by my creator, God. Yeah, so, so the man born with the, the puny arms, that's the way that God has made him as his creator. And the woman born with the thinny hair, that, that's the way God created her. And, and sin means that you're not the perfect man, you're not the perfect woman, but one day you will be. 
But if you're on this constant quest for, for change now, change in body shape, change in facial structures, change in personality, the bottom line is that you're really denying that you've been made by a good God who is sovereign, who's made you in his perfect image. But more than that, actually, you've been made by Jesus. Colossians 1 verse 15 says this, For by Jesus all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. All things were created by him and for him. All things were made for Jesus and by Jesus. And as soon as you grasp that, to, to grasp that you have been created by Jesus and for Jesus, say, I belong to Jesus, my body belongs to Jesus, you'll exude contentment. Now to be the person who says, you know, Jesus made my arms and Jesus made my legs and Jesus gave me this skin tone and Jesus gave me this complexion and Jesus gave me these fingernails, he made my eyebrows, he made my hair, he gave me my hips, he gave me my breasts, he gave me my thighs, he gave me my muscles, he gave me my fat, he made all of them. Jesus made those and they belong to him. And if you grasp that, then maybe you would say, I, I praise you God because I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Learn to say, I am created in God's image. And learn to say, I'm a new creation in Christ. Listen to this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's on the screen. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. It's not that we, that we need to create a new image. We're given a new image in Christ. It's not that we need to create a new identity. We're given a new identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. That phrase, in Christ, it appears 164 times in Paul's letters. To be in Christ is bound up with being known by God, to be seen to be pure, to be seen to be blameless, to, to be so caught up with Christ that when God sees you, he sees the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a bit like, you know, when you're walking down the street, you've got a dirty, filthy coat on, and you walk past a shop, and you see this, this beautiful coat in the window. And you walk into the shop, and you say to the shopkeeper, I'd like to exchange my coat. I'll take off this dirty one. I'd like that one, please. And you walk out a whole new person with a new coat. And when you've come to Christ, you're clothed in Christ, and clothed in his beauty, and his majesty, and his perfection. And God looks down on you if you're in the Lord Jesus, and he sees Jesus, blameless and holy. You're a new creation in Christ. And that will change your view of image. Because the world says, I must meet other people's standards to be accepted by them. And God says, no, no, whilst you are still sinners, Christ died for you. And the world says, oh, nobody likes me, and I'm not good enough. And the Bible says, no, God loves you, and of course you're not good enough. And you know, the, the crushing words of the oppressive father who, who tells you that you're ugly and that you're overweight and you're useless. They're replaced by the, the truthful words of the loving Father who says, you're precious in my sight and you're my child and you're chosen and you're redeemed. And if you've come to Christ, if you had your eyes open to the, the fact that at Calvary 2,000 years ago, Christ died for you and hung on a cross for you and there was nothing that made him attractive. He was a man of sorrows, he was despised, but he bore the full weight of God's wrath for you. If you grasp that, then that obsession with image will be transformed because there's nothing attractive about you. There's nothing that made you worthy of God's love. There was nothing about your looks or your clothes or your lifestyle that made you worthy of Jesus dying for you. You didn't earn his favour. And today you don't need to secure God's approval. That was one for you at Calvary. You don't need to, you don't need to impress God. 
You don't need to conform to a certain shape or lifestyle or latest fashion to be accepted by God because he has accepted you in Christ. Ephesians 2, because of his great love for us, Christ, who, God who is rich in mercy made you alive with Christ. It's by grace you've been saved. See, our world hates that, doesn't it? Our world hates that word grace. Because the world hates to admit that it doesn't matter what you look like, it doesn't matter what job you do, it doesn't matter whether you're fat or you're thin, whether you're black or you're white, whether you're rich or you're poor, that's too damaging for the world, but for the Christian it's liberating to say it's by grace I've been saved. And if you've grasped God's unconditional love for you and unconditional grace, then, then your, your view of the of image will change. The Bible doesn't say the fashionable should be first, the Bible says the last should be first. The Bible doesn't say blessed are the trendy ones or the fit ones. It says blessed are the poor in spirit. See, I don't think we've grasped what it means to be in Christ. I use the illustration of the backpack Christian. I think our church is full of backpack Christians. Christ is just this backpack that they put on in times of need. It's a bit like, you know, when you're going on holiday and you're packing up the car and you put all the, all the essential things in first, don't you? So, you know, I put in my surfboard, I put in my bike, I put in my running shoes and if I've got space left over I'll put in some food or some clothes or I've got the essentials in. Now when it comes to being in Christ, the question is have you got the essential in? And my fear is that if you were to pack your car for life you would put all the extra things in, the clothes and the fashionable things and your CDs and then if you've got room you put in Christ. He's like an add-on that you're put him in if you've got room but if you're really rooted in Christ if you've understood the cross you've understood grace and suddenly you're liberated it's by grace you've been saved you're a new creation in Christ that's what matters and we've got to learn to say I am being transformed to be like Christ if you've got your Bibles open look at the Colossians 3 with me again Colossians 3 verse 1 since you have been raised with Christ set your hearts on things above or verse 5 put to death what belongs to your earthly nature verse 12 as God's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourself put to death these things and clothe yourself with these things he's saying Look, are you just concerned about, about looking beautiful or are you really concerned about being beautiful? I repeat that. Are you just concerned about looking beautiful? Or are you really concerned about being beautiful? Are you learning to channel time and energy into dressing yourself in Christ? Because you've got this new wardrobe, except the wardrobe isn't about looks or image. It's about attitudes and about Jesus. If I said to you right now, you're a character in a novel, describe yourself. What words would you use? Would you describe your body shape or your hair colour or your clothing or your job or would you describe character traits? Because Paul describes character traits here. He says, verse 5, get rid of this stuff. It's a detox diet if you want, verse 5. But it's not about carbs, it's not about fat, it's about the yucky stuff like, like anger and sexual immorality and lust and evil desires, verse 5, and greed. He says all the stuff that contradicts the fact that you belong to Christ detox yourself of them get rid of them take off those things and verse 12 put on the good things, the good clothes the compassion of verse 12 You know, the concern for other people 
expecting nothing in return and the kindness of verse 12 doing things unprompted not out of duty but out of concern put on verse 12 humility and gentleness don't think you're number one don't think you are important put on patience verse 12 you know, listening, learning, praying verse 13 bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against each other don't hold the resentments don't hold the grudges don't look for the fights but forgive as Christ forgave you verse 14 and over all these virtues put on love sacrificial, selfless laying down your life love that's what it means to to be transformed into God's image not the outward but but the inward it's what Peter says to the wives in 1 Peter 3 your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as braided hair, the wearing of gold jewellery and fine clothes instead it should be that of your inner self the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight he's saying don't be obsessed with the outward but be obsessed with the, the inward the character, the beauty, the gentle and quiet spirit. I don't know whether you ever read the book of Esther. Esther is described in chapter 2 verse 7 as lovely in form and features. She's a beautiful woman it says. But what really shines through the whole book of Esther is not her beauty. What shines through that whole book is her commitment to justice and mercy and, and righteousness, the inner beauty. And I hope that you all have sort of daily, daily routines of hygiene. You know, you get out of bed and you have a shower, you put on deodorant. And the Bible almost says have a daily, uh, daily routine of putting on Jesus, getting rid of all the filth, exfoliating the filth and clothing yourself with a godly character. That's the inner beauty that God demands. It's what Lord Dahl says in his book, The Twits. He says this, If a person has ugly thoughts, it begins to show on the face. And when that person has ugly thoughts every day, every week, every year, the face gets uglier and uglier. But a person who has good thoughts cannot ever be ugly. You can have a wonky nose and a double chin and stick out teeth, but if you have good thoughts, they'll shine out of your face like a sunbeam. And you'll always look lovely. See what the Bible says here. Get rid of all the filth and put on the good thoughts. Put on the inner character of, of humility and kindness and patience and godliness and that will shine out of you God's image shining out of you I don't know what you struggle with whether it's you think you're too fat or too thin or whether you're too tall or too short it doesn't matter what matters is that you reflect your Lord Jesus and you allow the spirit to transform you and change you and what matters is that your energy is not caught up in the outward the physical appearance, the dieting, the fashion the lifestyle, the career but your, your, your overriding ambition is to be a bit more like Christ today as I close let me ask us a few questions how does the amount of time and energy and money that you spend on outward appearance how does that compare with the time and energy and money you spend on the, the inner character and the godliness in the morning do you spend all this time in front of the mirror but any time in the word of God and when other people see you, are you more concerned that they see your designer clothes and your labels and your tone and tan body? Or do you want them to be struck by the image of Christ and his glory shining out of you? You know, do you want the world to notice you or the image of Jesus in you? 
for the blokes here? What do you find attractive with the women here at church? What do you look for? What grabs your attention? Is it just the, the shallow outer thing? Or is it the inner beauty? And do you actually commend women here at church for their godliness and their character? Do you tell them how beautiful they are by their patience, their humility and their kindness? Or are we just superficial? Are we perpetuating the beauty myth here by the way we talk about women at church? What about the women? I don't know what you talk about. I don't know what you talk about with women, but do you just talk about outer beauty? Or do you talk about godliness? Do you talk about the inner things? And for all of us here, when we think about image, do you ever pray these kind of prayers? Lord, mould me, refine me, make me into a head-turning beauty. Not outwardly gorgeous, not hunky, not hot, but give me that inner beauty that transforms my character. Lord, help me to put to death the rage, the malice, the lust, the immorality, and help me to clothe myself with the adornment of Christ. Lord, make my image not like that cover model, but by that role model, Lord Jesus. Lord, humble me, expose my selfishness, expose my arrogance, expose my pride. Lord, so work in me, transform me that my character is exquisite, my encouragement evident, my passion for Jesus contagious, my joy overflowing. May my image be a reflection of Christ's glory. Do you ever pray that? It's really what the old hymn writer said. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me, all his wondrous compassion and purity. Come now, Spirit divine, all my nature refine, to the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. I'm sure there are people here tonight and you're still chasing after that image. You're chasing after something that people accept you or you're longing to be part of a certain group. Remember, Christ loves you. He's accepted you. He has made you the way you are. And there might be people here tonight whose confidence are sky high. You think you're somebody. You think you're hot. You think you're, you, know, you wear the right clothes. You turn the head. You think your image is important. Please remember you did nothing to earn God's favour. And that last day, God will not ask you, you know, about that jacket that you wore or the product or the diet. He wants to know this. Did you keep trusting in Jesus? Have you grown in godliness? I think we as a church need to keep it really simple when we think about image. We need to learn to say, I am who I am. I am who I am. I am the person that God has made in his image. I am a sinner redeemed by God's grace. I am a significant part of God's church. I am a work in progress. And please, Lord, transform me more into Christ's image. I'm going to give you a moment to reflect on that. We're going to listen to a bit of a song just to help you reflect quietly. And then we'll take a question time.